Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. Incredible products of Bible wisdom that will blow your mind. Wisdom is not just in great words. Wisdom is in great works. Wisdom is not just in great words. Wisdom is in great works. I'm going to prove that to you by reading James chapter 3. And brother James, who's actually Jesus' half-brother. I say half because they didn't share the same father. Um, James chapter 3, this is what James says, 3.13. Who is wise and understanding among you? So he's asking, is there anybody wise? Anybody that's got understanding? Let him show by good works or conduct. Let him show by good conduct, not by talking like Shakespeare. There's a lot of preachers that I've realized in recent days that they have the gift of gab. They can speak great swelling words that attract people. But they're very empty words. It's idle talk, empty chatter. Um, There's a lot of preaching nowadays that there's no practical application to what they're saying. It's all just mystical and mysterious. But the Bible says when wisdom comes forth, it actually is shown by good conduct and that his works will be done in the meekness of wisdom. So works are accomplished by the meekness of wisdom, not just great swelling words, not just great things to speak, not just, uh, uh, you know, university level English. I'm talking about works because there's a lot of people, I'm telling you, who've got three PhDs hanging on their walls and they've gone through every single uh, they, they, got, they, they, they are smart in terms of the world's standards. Their academia is excellent. But when it comes to wisdom, see, there's a big difference between knowledge and wisdom. You can have knowledge but not be wise. Wisdom is not just having a reservoir full of knowledge. Wisdom is not just having your bank account filled with knowledge. Wisdom is the Ability to convert the knowledge that you have in your heart to practical application. Wisdom is knowledge applied in shorter terms. A great description of what wisdom is, is it's knowledge applied. It's, that's why Paul said, he says knowledge puffs up. It makes people fat-headed. But love edifies. And love, Jesus said, he that loves me is the one who has my commandments and does it. So love is doing the commandments of God. Wisdom is also application of what God has said. And so knowledge can puff you up. There's a lot of high-headed, hot-headed, prideful people that have a lot of head knowledge. And they, they, uh, if, you don't, if you don't carry a certain amount of degrees, they won't even give you the light of day. They won't give you the, a minute of their day. But... They don't have wisdom. They don't know how to apply that which they know. That's what makes the distinction between someone who moves forward and is profitable with what they know and someone who just stagnated in the same place and just likes to talk, just likes to discuss, to argue, and to to talk, to just have debates or whatever. The Bible says very clearly, Mark chapter 6, they took offense at Jesus and his own countrymen said, What wisdom is this 
that such mighty works are done by his hands. They didn't say, what wisdom is this? Man, he speaks so well. They said, what wisdom is this that such mighty works are done by his hands? And so the wisdom of God, according to James chapter 3, 13, who is wise and understanding among you, let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy, the wisdom of God will produce good works, quality conduct and application but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart don't boast and lie against the truth this wisdom does not descend from above but is earthly sensual and demonic so here james actually lists four types of wisdom found in life there is what we just read about the wisdom that comes from above that's divine wisdom that produces divine works. But then he says there is also earthly wisdom. Earthly wisdom can be categorized as anything you learn in school. Earthly wisdom can be going to school, getting a trade, going to uh, university, studying for accounting, studying for a lawyer, uh, to become a lawyer, studying for medical school, whatever. That's earthly wisdom. And it is not to be condemned or shamed or shunned. We need earthly wisdom to accomplish earthly things. However, if you want to step in to accomplishing supernatural things and heavenly things, you can't just use earthly wisdom. You need heavenly wisdom. Earthly wisdom will produce earthly things. That's why Jesus said, that which comes from above is above all. It trumps over earthly, uh, what any earthly wisdom can accomplish. You can do more in five minutes by the wisdom of God than 50 years of operating human wisdom. You can see that in the life of Solomon. The Bible, and we're going to read uh, Solomon's story in a second, but Solomon was a, a young king that had been given the entire kingdom of Israel to govern and rule. And he began to pray one night. And he didn't say, God, give me life, give me long life, give me riches, give me honor. He didn't pray that. He said, God, give me wisdom. Because he understood every other thing that he could have prayed for is actually developed when wisdom is at work in your life. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4, wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom is the main thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and in all you're getting, get understanding. Wisdom is the principal thing. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4, and I believe it's in, in uh, uh, sorry, Proverbs chapter 8, and I believe it might be verse 13. It says, by me, wisdom personified speaking, by wisdom, the Bible says, kings reign and rulers decree justice. If you find yourself to be a slave to anything in life, it's wisdom that's going to teleport you from being a slave in that area to someone who reigns in triumph in that area. Wisdom will take a pauper and make him very prosperous. Wisdom will take someone who's in lack and bring him into abundance. The wisdom of God will take someone who's in struggle and bring them into solutions. The wisdom of God will take someone in darkness and bring him into light. The wisdom of God God will produce quality things to the level of God himself. 
It's his wisdom it'll produce. That's why God said in Isaiah 55, my ways are higher than man's ways. You can do things your way. There is a way that seems right unto men, but its end is the way of death. But there's also another way. There's a higher way. There's still a more excellent way. God said, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, let me just read that while you keep your finger in James chapter 3. This is what he says. And I, brethren, when I came to you, I didn't come to you with the excellent speech or human wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. You skip down to verse 6. He says, we speak wisdom amongst those who are mature, not the wisdom of this world. Hallelujah. Not the wisdom of this age. We have a higher level of wisdom that we've tapped into, Paul is saying. You know, you can limit yourself to earthly wisdom and human wisdom and only consult with people who don't even know God and don't carry the spirit of wisdom and, and counsel in them. Because, you know, wisdom is a spirit. It's part of the many facets of the Holy Spirit. If you read in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 and three, one through 3, the scripture says, And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom. And he talks about what is in the spirit of the Lord. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the lord so within the spirit of god is the spirit of wisdom and understanding and the bible says it's far beyond the wisdom of this age nor of the rulers of this age even the intellects even the smartest of this age they cannot compare to what the wisdom of god can produce who are coming to nothing but we speak the wisdom of god hallelujah Man, if we talk about being children of God, we should be people who speak the wisdom of God. There should be a notable level of difference and distinction on our life in comparison to other people who do not have access to the thoughts and ways of God. People who are unredeemed should look at the lives of those that belong to the church who operate by divine wisdom and they should say, that's a higher level of frequency. We've never seen that before. We've never heard of that before. We don't understand how they're doing that, but somehow it's being accomplished. I prophesy in Jesus name that will be your story even the heathen will turn full circle and come back to you and say how did that happen and it'll actually be a point where you can actually evangelize to them and tell them it's not by my it's not by my strength it's not by my brains or my brawn this came by the spirit of the Lord and his working in my life we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery it's a mystery to those who don't know it it's a mystery. It's incomprehensible to those that aren't operating by it. You should be an enigma to the, this, this generation. You should be an enigma. You should be someone that they scratch their head and says, I don't, I don't get how they're still going. I don't get how that thing actually worked. I don't understand how they made that thing work. I don't know where they got that idea from. I don't understand where that level of creativity comes from. You know God is a creative God. He created the heavens and the earth by his great power outstretched hand and by his mind, his mental faculty. He thought and then he spoke the worlds into existence but it all began with a thought. You began with a thought. The Bible says how great and precious are his thoughts towards you. You began with a thought. God thought about you and then he formed and fashioned you in your mother's womb. The very 
creation of who you are began with a thought in the mind of God. God is creative. Well, if he's creative, what do you think when he said, I'll make you in my image, what do you think he put in you? You also have creative abilities. You don't see dolphins making underground, underworld, undersea, not underworld, but undersea uh, uh, cities. You don't see Monkeys limited in creativity. They're limited in creative abilities. They might be able to make some things, but they really can't make much things because those beasts were not made in the image of God. You don't see sharks making underwater facilities and there's scientists and there's laboratories where they have test tubes and all kinds of Bunsen burners everywhere. You don't see that because they have limitations. They were not created in God's image, but you were, you were. You were created in the image of God, and in that image, he created you. And because of that, the same level of creativity that God has, be it by, the, by reason of the Spirit of God living on the inside of us, we can tap into that creativity and that innovative ability to produce that which I has not seen. Can you say hallelujah? That's awesome. Man, I'm getting excited. If nobody else says, I'm getting excited. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Oh, man. The wisdom of God will produce glory in your life. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. For our glory. It doesn't bring shame. It doesn't bring reproach. It doesn't bring disaster or destruction. It brings glory. That's why the Bible says we go from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. This wisdom is for your glory. Don't think that following the wisdom of God is going to bring you backwards. See, that's where I think a lot of people miss it. And that's where you, th- you hear people, even preachers will say, you know, I know that's in the Bible, but you got to use wisdom. What higher wisdom is there outside of the Bible? What, what wisdom can actually compare or contrast with the Bible? What wisdom can equal the Bible's wisdom? The Bible is the highest form and frequency of wisdom that is available not only to man, but to heaven, earth, and hell. There's no greater wisdom in hell. There's no greater wisdom in heaven. God's wisdom is the highest level of wisdom. So anytime you hear someone say, well, I know that's in the Bible, but you need to use wisdom. You can know that you're talking to a very uneducated and um, uninformed person. You're talking to someone who has no revelation. You're talking to someone who doesn't really believe God is and a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And you should cut off their influence in your life. Anyone that says, I know that's in the Bible, but you need to use wisdom is not very bright. Their IQ, spiritual IQ, is very low. I don't care how much they've accomplished in the flesh. I don't care if they've got four masters. I don't care what they've got hanging on their wall. If they make a statement like that, it proves to me that they've fallen into into pride and their pride has blinded them as to what God can accomplish just by his word and his word alone. Remember, Jesus said, he that hears these words of mine, and does not do it. He hears it, but he doesn't do any of it. I know that's in the Bible, but we're going to do things differently. He that hears these words of mine, it's not just in the hearing of the word of God that you'll be blessed. It's not just in the reception of what God's word says that you'll be blessed and you'll move forward in life and there'll be profit in your living. That's not where the blessing is. The blessing is in the doing. You know, Jesus told the disciples, he said, um, he that hears and, and listen, he that hears and sees my word is not the one that's blessed. He said, the one that's blessed is the one that does my work. The one that does my word. 
He said to those that, you know, his brothers and sisters had come to a house where he was preaching and they said, your brother and sister and your mothers are out, your mother is outside. And he said, who are those? Who are really my brothers and my sisters and my mother? He looked to the crowd. He said, these are the ones that are my brother, my sister, and my mother. He said, the ones that do the will of God are my brothers, my sister, and my mother. The ones that do the will of God. He said, you have heard, you have seen, but blessed are those who actually do the work that's required of them. And so Jesus said, he that just hears my word and doesn't do anything about it, he'll be like a man who built his house upon sand. And the rains are going to fall, and the winds will blow and beat against the house, and the house will fall and suffer great loss. So there's a lot of confused Christians where they hear the word preached day in and day out, and they think that just going to church, why is in my life different? Because going to church does not make you a Christian any more than me going to a McDonald's makes me a hamburger. I have to actually order something off the menu and eat it if it's going to help me. And so in the same vein with things pertaining to the Bible and Christianity, just going and hearing your pastor preach. You know, there's some pastors that they've spent three, six hours a week with couples trying to counsel them, marital counseling and all that. But they, they quit after a while because they realize I'm just I'm just being an ear for them to complain to me. They're not applying anything that I'm telling them in our private sessions. And so for the pastor, it's actually a total waste of time. God is sees things the same thing, the same way. You know, Jesus said, he that hears what I have to say and doesn't do it, he says, even what he, know, he thinks he knows, it'll be taken from him. What you do with information and with the mysteries of God that are entrusted to you will determine whether God shows you more out of the Bible. What you do with the commandments that you know from the word of God will determine whether he shows you more out of the Bible. There's some people that are asking God for revelation. God, I need revelation. I want to know you more. You haven't even done anything with what you know now. Jesus said, he that has these words but does nothing about it. Even what he thinks he has will be taken from him. But he that hears my words and does something about it, then I will give him more. I'll entrust more. I'll, I'll, I'll deliver more revelation, more manna, more living manna to his, to his house and to his life. So Jesus said, he that hears these words and doeth them, he'll be like a man who built his house upon the rock. And when the winds came and the winds blew, it didn't fall. Because divine wisdom is not setting you up for failure. Divine wisdom sets you up for success. Divine wisdom does not set you up for failure. Divine wisdom sets you up for success. I, and I need to get that in you even more. Divine wisdom will never set you up for failure. Divine wisdom will always set you up for success. It might not make sense on the outside. Because if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it even says... Where it says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us who are being saved, that is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. That's the worldly wisdom. I'm going to destroy it. I'm going I'm to really blow their minds with what I'm about to do. And it'll make no sense to their finite thinking. And bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Verse 20, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But, those who, but to those who are the call, both Jews and Greeks, 
Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Verse 25, but the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. What Paul is saying is that if you combine every human brain and put them in one room and have them uh, brainstorm any type of activity, any plan that they desire to brainstorm on, if you have every wise disputer, scribe, lawyer, doctor, get the wisest men of the world and women of the world into one room and have them come up with a concept or something, it would not even compare to what God can produce in one second. It wouldn't even compare. That's why he says the foolishness of God. He's not saying there's foolishness in God. He's saying that, man, it's like a tough thing to explain. If he's saying the, the foolishness of God. He wasn't saying that God has foolishness in him. He was saying that even if God had a moment of weakness, which he doesn't, even that moment of weakness in his thinking would still blow out of the park every human mind in this world combined into one room as to what they can brainstorm. That's what he's saying. And he goes on to say, the weakness of God is stronger than men. Even if God had a moment of weakness, his moment of weakness still pales in comparison to the power of nuclear weapons and tanks. It doesn't even equal. Now, I'm not saying don't take the snippet out of here and come out, do a sound bite where God, or TJ said that God has a weakness and God has foolishness in him. No, I didn't say that. I'm saying that what Paul is saying, he's just trying to bring things into perspective in comparing what God can produce and what man can produce. Even God on an off day, which he does not have off days. He doesn't even have days. He dwells beyond time and etern he's in eternity. But even if God had an off day, Paul is saying, it still can't come, the wisdom of man can't compare to it. And so continuing on in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. For as it is written, I has not seen. So this is what Paul is saying the wisdom of God can produce in a man. He said, what eye has not seen, what ear has not heard, what has never entered the heart of man. These are the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And then he goes on to tell you how those things will be materialized into your life. Because it's one thing to say, oh, what eye has not seen, what ear has not heard. It's one thing to just talk about the scripture verse. But God doesn't want, just want you to meditate on that scripture verse you know I, I said it before the word of God the word of God is is not just about hearing and speaking and all that the word of God is a book of instruction it actually shows you the way to get to the promises of God it actually shows you a way into the land flowing with milk and honey you know brother James says this let me read this keep your finger there James chapter James chapter 1 I'm skipping through a lot of scriptures today because I want to I want to really drill this down because there's a lot of religious devils that think that you know God is not interested in helping anybody and God's wisdom it just gives you strength to endure the attack doesn't give you strength to break through from the attack it, that's not scriptural at all the wisdom of God and everything God has said in his word if applied will produce a supernatural manifestation which will lead to your breakthrough which will lead to your prosperity which will lead to your success which will lead to profitability in your life this is what James says. James chapter 1, verse 22. Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So don't just hear it, or else you're going to be deceived. Because you're going to think, man, isn't that in the Bible? Why am I not seeing that in my life? Because you haven't done anything about it. For if anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. He looks in the mirror. And he observes himself. He looks intently at himself, but he goes away and he immediately forgets what kind of man he was. 
And he, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So the blessing is obedience activated. Wisdom is an application of God's word. And in the application or obedience is when the blessing is activated. He says, if you just hear the word and do nothing about it, you're going to be deceived. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to be complaining and whining your whole life and, and, and beating your chest at God saying, why isn't it working for me? Because you haven't worked it yourself. He who observes himself in a mirror, he looks and see, this is a mirror. I love how he compares the word of God to a mirror. What do you do when you look into a mirror? You're looking at yourself. You're seeing who you are. The difference is, is that this mirror, the Bible, is not a natural mirror where it shows you your natural blemishes and stuff. This mirror shows you who you are in Christ and what can be accomplished by the hand of God and God's hand alone. And he says, when you look into the mirror, you're seeing all these wonderful things about who God's calling you to be, what you can be in Christ, what you can do in Christ, what you can see in Christ. But if you just look into the mirror and go away and forget about it and don't do anything about it, it's, you're going to be frustrated, you're going to be deceived, you're going to be sad, you're going to be constantly going in circles, complaining as to why things don't work for you. But if you look into the, natural, into the supernatural mirror of the word... And you see what's accomplishable by the hand of God in your life. And then you go out to obey and step out in applying the wisdom of God in your life. Then, James says, you'll be blessed in what you do. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, moving on. Verse 10. But God revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yea, even the deep things of God. We can't know what God wants for our life. That's not true. We don't know what God's wisdom, we just know it's higher than our wisdom and his ways are higher than our ways, amen. No, that's not true. Old Testament, his ways higher than our ways, his thoughts higher than our thoughts, and we have to just trust Old Testament. But we have received the spirit not of this world, but the spirit who is from God. And God has revealed them to us. What's them? The hidden mysteries of God in the wisdom of God, which are profitable for our success, which have incredible products that can be produced in our life. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, even the deep things of God. For what man knows the thoughts of a man expect, except the spirit of that man which is in him? Even so, nobody knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So he's saying, how could you know a man, another man's thoughts? You don't know another man's wisdom because you don't have his spirit. Only his spirit, only his heart knows what he's thinking. But God, through Paul, is speaking here and he's saying, we have not received the spirit of this world. But we have received the spirit who is from God that we may know the things that have been freely given to us by God. God's not trying to hide things from you. He wants you to discover. He wants you to know. He doesn't want to make life confusing. Confusing and, and hard and difficult and complex. Life's complex on its own. He doesn't want to make it more complex. He wants to reveal things to you and he put his spirit in you and one of the benefits of carrying the spirit of God is that we have access to the mind of God. That's what Paul goes on to say. He says, these things we also speak not in words with which man's wisdom teaches, 
So get rid of man's wisdom. Eh, that's so low. It's so low. It's so little. It's so. It's not even respectable when you when you have an understanding that the wisdom of God uh, is accessible by the Spirit of God in you. Stop trying to go the natural route. Well, if I could just pick that guy's brain. I don't want to pick that guy's brain. I want the Holy Spirit's brain. I want to know what he's thinking. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him. The natural man, I did a study on this the other week. And it, the word there, natural. I never studied this word. But it, I, you know, if the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. If someone's not receiving the things of the Spirit of God. I want to know who that person is. And I want to make sure that's not in me. And the natural, the word natural is psychikos. Which means bestial. It means natural. It means earthly, and it means um, like confined to human reason. The natural man, the Bible says, the one who is bestial, the one who is confined to human reason, he cannot receive. The one who's not open to thinking the thoughts of God, that man cannot receive. He's cut off from the flow of this divine wisdom. He'll never receive anything from him. For it's foolishness to him, nor can he know it, for it is only spiritually discerned. The wisdom of God can only be spiritually discerned or spiritually understood. For he who is spiritual judges all things and he himself is rightly judged by no one. Verse 16, get this tattooed on your spirit. For who has known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him? That's an Old Testament scripture. The prophet said, who's known the mind of the Lord? Who? How can we know God's mind? And then Paul says, switch on the New Testament reality. Old Testament reality is, who can know the mind of the Lord? Paul says, switch on New Testament reality. Who has known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Those are shouting words. So Paul's saying, stop saying, who has known the mind of the Lord? How can we instruct him? Or how can we receive from him? How can we know what he's doing? He's saying, we have received not the spirit of this world. We now are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We have the spirit of God in us. He shows us the things to come. He shows us the deep revelations of the spirit of God. He shows us the deep things of God. And he says, no longer say, I'm lost. No longer say, I don't know what to do. No longer say, that's hard. That's complicated. What am I going to do? He says, now say, we have the mind of Christ and if you have the mind of Christ think of it this way you ever see Jesus backed into a corner not knowing what to do no so you shouldn't either do you ever see Jesus at wit's end thinking to the or speaking to the disciples what are we going to do now disciples come on let's have a final let's have a meeting we need a board meeting quickly we're pressured we're panicking we don't know how we're going to feed all these people in the wilderness no he himself always knew what he would do he always knew the right point of action he always knew the next step to take God by the spirit of wisdom will always give you the next step to take now you might be in a place today where you you believe these things i know i have the spirit of wisdom i believe everything you're saying but how do i tap into that spirit of wisdom to actually unlock these things in my life very simple if you don't know what to do in this particular situation pray in the holy ghost pray in the spirit because when you pray in the spirit you're you're literally it's like an athlete you have a soccer player uh lionel messi in the world cup and he might not be playing the 
the first 50 minutes or something. But then all of a sudden, the coach taps his shoulder and he says, you're up to go. Uh, next substitution, you're coming in on the field. Well, what does Lionel Messi do? He doesn't just sit on the bench waiting to come into the field. He gets up, he takes off his practice or his practice jersey, puts on his real jersey, and then he starts running back and forth along the sidelines. What is he doing? He's warming his muscles up. He's warming his muscles up because he knows he's about to get into the field. When you pray in the Holy Spirit, you're warming yourself up. You're actually waking your spirit man up. You're, 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 you're steering him up so that you can now receive transmissions from the spirit into your mind. Remember, I've said this many times. You are a three-part being. You have a body or you live in a body, you have a soul, that's where your thinking goes on, and you are a spirit. You are primarily a spirit being. And your holy, the Holy Spirit has been joined to your spirit man, and so that's where the Spirit of God speaks to you. He speaks to your spirit. He doesn't speak to your noggin. He doesn't speak to your body. He speaks to your spirit. And so when you pray in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is always speaking to your spirit, but your spirit could be missing the transmissions. When you pray in the Holy Ghost, your spirit man's being stirred up to receive the transmissions, and whatever your spirit man receives from the Holy Spirit, it will then communicate to your brain, your soul, your mind, so that you can now know. That's why Paul said, I pray in the spirit, and then I pray with my understanding. He was saying that there's the spirit man. The reality of a human being is you have a spirit man, and when you pray in the spirit, you're praying in a language you don't know what to say. But when you pray in the Spirit, you're receiving things from the Holy Spirit, and then you can begin to use your understanding to pray those things in English or whatever other language that you speak. So you have a spirit and you have your understanding, your soul. The important thing, and what we wanted to what, what I'm trying to convey to you right now is how to relay what the Holy Spirit is speaking. Your spirit man is like the, the middle man. You have the Holy Spirit, the middle man, and your brain, your soul, where that's where your reasoning is, and that's where you're going to take steps of action to do what the Holy Spirit is saying. But how do you convey that message? It's by praying in the Holy Spirit. It'll show you. That's why the Bible says when you don't know what to pray, pray in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit will help you in your weaknesses. So moving on. James chapter 3. And then I'm going to get into seven incredible products of wisdom, which we're not going to take too much time today. So take heed. I'm going to pray with everyone at the end of this broadcast. I'm going to pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation comes on you and that you'll, from this day onward, you'll step in to the high frequency of heaven when it comes to wisdom and understanding, that you're not going to operate on lowly wisdom, earthly wisdom, sensual wisdom, or demonic wisdom another day in your life. You're stepping out of those realms of wisdom and you're entering into the higher realm the holy ghost realm of wisdom so this wisdom does not descend from above but is earthly sensual and demonic sensual wisdom is uh, just human wisdom meaning when a baby comes out of the womb obvious right away it, it it's like obvious to a baby it wants to 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 go for the nipple it it, it knows that that's where it's going to receive food i don't know how obviously the lord somehow communicates with the baby that that's how it that's how they're going to be fed that's essential wisdom it's just it's it's um it's just a human wisdom it's ingrained in you human wisdom demonic wisdom and that's like the occult witchcraft sorcery santeria etc for where envy and self-seeking are, confusion and everything are there. So when you don't operate in heavenly wisdom, confusion and every evil thing is there. That's when you get into problems. The Bible says that, um, that in the way of the wicked is thorns and snares. So when you don't walk in divine wisdom, expect thorns and snares. 
But the scripture says the way of the upright is like a highway. What's a highway? A highway, unless there's traffic, but a highway is like an open, open road where you can just drive. You know the Autobahn in Germany? You can drive. There's no speed limit there. You can drive as fast as you want to drive. The Bible says that the, the way of the upright is like a highway. You can go as fast as you want to go. When you're not operating divine wisdom, it's thorns and snares. It's difficult. It's tough. There's all kinds of mines and roadblocks along the way. But by divine wisdom, it produces for you another way in life. Now, verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above, and he goes on to, to list the products of wisdom, is first pure, peaceable, full of peace. It is gentle. It is willing to yield, full of mercy, and full of good fruits. Full of good fruits. It produces good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. So let's go through seven incredible products of Bible wisdom that will blow your mind. I've described wisdom. I actually wrote down a quote from Bishop David Oedepo where he has, he has a, a great description of what wisdom is. Wisdom is laying hold of the ways of God. Remember, Jesus said in Luke 8, 11, did not the wisdom of God say, and he quotes scripture. So the word of God is the wisdom of God. Did not the wisdom of God say, and he goes on to quote scripture. So in the scriptures, the scriptures is the custodian of God's wisdom. When you open up this book, you're coming in to God's wisdom. People are always saying, I want to hear God's voice. I want to know what God would say to me concerning this situation. You want to hear God's word and God's voice? Open up this book. Then you'll hear it very very clearly. So wisdom is laying hold of God's word. It is not mental exertion. It is not sweating to obtain a solution. It is uncovering God's approach concerning every issue in life. It is uncovering God's approach to something. It's knowing how would God, WWJD, what would Jesus do? That's exactly what the wisdom of God will bring to you. It'll give you the answer of WWJD concerning any situation that you might be found in. It gives you God's approach. How would God approach this situation? How would, what would God say in response to what I'm hearing? What would God do in response to what I'm seeing? And he goes on to say, it is knowing God's word on which way to go and how to handle situations to make them produce the desired results. Wisdom is knowing how to make it in life. Wisdom is knowing how to make it in life. So what are the seven Bible products of wisdom? Number one, the fear of the Lord. You can't be saved without God showing you the wisdom of the cross. We read it before in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. The foolishness of the message preached, which is Christ resurrected from the dead. Christ crucified and Christ resurrected. That is foolishness to the finite mind. You could not come up with faith in your own heart. Strong enough to believe something so absurd as Jesus was crucified 2,000 years ago and rose again from the dead. That's not the product of your own faith. The Bible says it is the gift of God. Remember what Peter, Peter was not a bright guy. Peter was so slow on things that even when Jesus said, who do men say that I am? Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, there's no way you came up with that by yourself. That's not a human confession. That's not something that you could have 
developed understanding on based on your own level or your own strength and prowess of your mind. He says, flesh and blood could not reveal that to you, Peter. Only my Father who is in heaven. Ephesians 1 says, God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Whenever something like that is revealed to your heart, where there's a knowing in your spirit, you know, there's a knowing in my spirit that Jesus rose from the dead. That's not, that's not even faith for me anymore. That's just, I know he rose from the dead. I know God lives. I know God is in heaven. I know there's a divine trinity. I know he's had his hand on my life. I, there's a knowing. That does not come by your own ability to believe that you're just an optimistic person. We're not optimistic that Jesus rose from the dead. There's a knowing in my heart. Paul had a knowing. He said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. That knowing cannot come except by revelation of the spirit of wisdom. The very first thing the Holy Spirit will do to anybody is bring them the wisdom and revelation of the cross. The Bible says that the whole foolishness of the cross is the wisdom of God. So byproduct number one of the spirit of wisdom is salvation. The fear of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. In another proverb, I can't find it right now. But it says the fear of the, the, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge and understanding comes by the Holy One. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. It's the very first thing the spirit of wisdom is going to do for you. Bring the fear of the Lord. Make you to understand that God is alive. God is real. Jesus is his son. And that he's not to be double-crossed. It's the fear of the Lord. An awe and a reverence to the person of the Trinity. The, per the, the, the persons of the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Number two. Products of, super, of supernatural wisdom is health and strength. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs 3 verse 13. Blessed or happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver. Money can't buy it. And her gain than fine gold. Money can't buy it. There's no amount of gold that can... Pro produce what wisdom will produce in your life she is more precious than rubies and all the things you can desire in life can't even compare with her verse 16 length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace she's a tree of life to those who take hold of her and happy are all those who retain her so the writer of Proverbs, Solomon here is saying, one of the products of wisdom is length of days, health and strength, longevity in life. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20. Proverbs 4 and 20. My son, we, we said it before, God's wisdom is in his word. The word of God is the wisdom of God in print. So when we read this, take that in mind. Solomon says, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings, to the words of the scripture. What is it going to do? Don't let it depart from your eyes. Keep it in the midst of your heart. For it is life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Health is a product of divine wisdom at work in an individual's life. 
We read it before. Length of days are in her right hand. Riches and honor in her left. And then Proverbs 4.22 says, it is, it's actually life. When you receive divine wisdom, it actually imparts strength, vitality, resurrection, life into you, and healing to all your flesh. The word of God's not like any other college textbook that you might have read. College textbooks. I never read a college textbook and got healed of OCD, but I read the Bible and got healed of OCD. You don't see people reading Plato's Republic and all of a sudden the cancer left them or the, the pancreas began to receive life again and was restored to normal functionality. You don't read stories like that, but you read people. There was a man of God. Uh, 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 a man who's still alive today and he had a tumor grow on his neck it was so disgusting it was pussing out he went um he was in his study one day and he said god your word is health to all my flesh he took his bible and he put it on his neck and he said i thank you that as i put your word on my neck that thing withers at the root in jesus name and he went on and then he remembered that the bible says jesus already bore our sickness so he said jesus already took this tumor it ain't my tumor it's his tumor he went to a a a, a a ministry's conference, a minister's conference the following week, and his neck was still ugly and pussing, and it was really not a sight to behold. And a minister came up to him and he said, man, you should get that check, that tumor on your neck, that, that you should go and get that check. He said, that's not my tumor, that's Jesus's tumor, and his word is healing to all my flesh. Well, within a week, he woke up the next morning and it was totally gone. It like fell off his body. Hallelujah. God's word is health to all our flesh. His wisdom will produce, even on a practical side of things, even on the practical side of things. I mean, you think of it. God's word tells you certain things to do. Ways to live in holiness unto the Lord. They're just on the practical side of things. You know, sleep with your wife and your wife alone. Don't have premarital sex and don't sleep around. Where do you think AIDS and, and all types of, of STDs, STIs, they wild spread amongst certain communities of people who don't, who are always sexually immoral. Sin carries a destructive effect to it. Even on a practical side, if you follow the wisdom of God and you keep yourself till marriage and sleep with only your spouse, you don't even have to worry about catching gonorrhea or whatever. You don't even have to worry about catching any type of STD. You don't have to worry about catching AIDS. You don't have to worry about any of that. Just on a practical side, if you don't smoke, you don't have to worry about lung cancer or whatever. If you don't... If you follow the Bible instruction to be holy, even as he is holy, there's so many diseases. You know, don't be a glutton. Don't overeat into a stupor every single time. You don't have to worry about high blood pressure or, or, or type 2 diabetes because you ate yourself into a scooter. No, you keep a firm watch on your body. You're not a glutton. Drinking. They say alcohol, a glass every night of wine will actually double your risk of cancer. You don't, that's, that's um, recent studies are showing that. Alcohol was actually going to dull your mind. It kills brain cells. You don't have to worry about your brain being mushed by the time you're 70. You don't have to worry about the effects of alcohol in your body. You know, the Bible says, where is woe? Where is contention? Where is sorrow? Where is brokenness of heart? Is it not in those that linger long at wine and those who go and search for mixed drink? That's in the book of Proverbs. So you cut alcohol out of your life. 
And you're going to reap. There are many successful people, highly successful people who do not drink. They're not even believers, but they've carried. That's why I'm telling you, man, the wisdom of God. If a heathen applies God's wisdom, they'll actually reap a benefit that was to be given to the believer. But because the believer is not doing it, they're not reaping that harvest. But the unbeliever, because he's willing to do what the believer is not willing to do, the unbeliever will actually partake of a certain level of blessing that the unbeliever will never get. That's where you get all these motivational speakers. They're not, many of them are not saved, but they've read through Proverbs through and through because it's the greatest book on wisdom ever written. Better than Confucius, better than Buddha, better than any other one. And so they'll write down certain things. And they're proven theories. They're proven principles. If you apply these things, it's going to produce for you. And you have motivational speakers who don't even call on the name of Jesus, but they're applying the principles of the book of Proverbs, and they're reaping the benefit of it. This ought not to be. If anyone's reaping the benefits of Proverbs, it should be us, believers. Instead, what do you have? You have believers that knock success, believers that knock the products of wisdom. It's not about health in life. The Bible says wisdom brings long life in her, left hand, in her right hand. And if you heed, his, heed the word of wisdom, it'll be life to your body and health to all your flesh. Number, which leads me to point number three. Byproduct of wisdom number three. Wealth and riches. I don't know, a lot of people are going to get mad at me at this, but I don't care. I really don't care. Because it's in the Bible. I'm not going to shrimp back and be bullied by people who, I don't believe in prosperity. All right, then rip like 20% of the scriptures out of the Bible, especially the book of Deuteronomy. Rip Matthew chapter 6 out. Rip Philippians chapter 4 out. Rip all these pages of the Bible out of your Bible because it talks about, rip 3 John out of the Bible because it talks about how God's, God's will for you is that you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. John the beloved, he actually tagged that on at the end of the verse to clarify for that future generations when they start to study that verse, they don't say, oh, when it talks about prosperity, it's talking about about just your soul prospering. No, he says that you would prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. He goes on to say, even as your soul's prospering. He makes a difference. I'm not talking about your soul prospering when I talk about you prospering and be in good health here. Yes, your soul should prosper and that's number one priority. But John says, I pray that you would prosper and be in good health even as your soul is prospering. So get rid of that religious garbage, that demonic seduction, trying to keep people in poverty. Keep people poor. You know, it's sad to say that there's 14 different Muslim airlines. Look, you see, the, the numbers dropped. The numbers dropped. We were at 145 people. It dropped to 134 people. I told you. I told you. People don't like to hear this. They love poverty. They glorify poverty. You want to know why I believe poverty is not godly? Because in heaven, he paved the streets with gold. You can actually make a case that God's kind of a little obsessed with, with prosperity in that level. Obviously, he's not obsessed with it in the way that a man greedy and covetous for gain is. But I mean, like, he, he's not against your prospering. He's not against wealthy people. He's not against riches. It's funny how you have people that bash prosperity, bash the message of money and stewardship and sowing and reaping. And then the moment they need a miracle. They need, they're always the first ones on Facebook. 
keep me in prayer, I need a new couch, I need this, I need that. Begging for everyone else's prosperity instead of going to the hand that I can actually give it to them themselves. Deuteronomy 8.18, do not forget that it was the Lord your God who gave you power to create wealth, to establish his covenant to you. God gives you power to create wealth. God's the one that gives power to create wealth, not the devil. The devil, if he gives anybody money or riches, it always is tied with sorrow, hardship, struggle, addiction. It, it, it's, it's polluted with destructive things. But the Bible says, the blessing of the Lord maketh a man rich and adds no sorrow to it. Proverbs 10, 22. So reading verse, Proverbs chapter 3 again. The Bible says, in her left hand, or in her length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. So he says, length of days and in her right hand. We discussed that, health and strength. There are things you can do. That will cut your life short. There are things you can do that will extend your life. In the same vein, there are things you can do that can bring you riches and honor. There are things you can do that bring you poverty. Keep you in debt. Keep you weighed down by uh, money and stress. That, that's not God's will for your life. God's will is for you to carry wealth and riches so that you can be a blessing to the generation. Genesis chapter 12, Abraham, I'm going to bless you and make your name great, and you'll be a blessing to those in your generation. Deuteronomy 28, listen to this. For all you people that love poverty, you might want to cover your ears here. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today, that's wisdom, we discussed that. Wisdom is obeying the voice of the Lord your God to observe and do carefully everything that he commands you to do, that the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your ground and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in. Blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before your face. They'll come out against you one way and they'll flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on your storehouses and on all to which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God has given you. The the Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he swore to you if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the New Living Translation. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land. Uh, in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your ground, in the land of which the Lord your, uh, your God swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give you rain in your land in its season, and he will bless all the work of your hand. Hallelujah. Notice how it says he'll bless the work of your hand. He won't bless the thoughts of your heart. He blesses the work of your hand. It goes back to what I said on Tuesday, and I'm reiterating it to right now and today. God has no obligation to bless your good motives or your good heart or good intentions. God blesses the work of your hand. He will bless the work of your hand. You will lend to many nations, but you will not borrow. Man, you want to know why the devil wants to keep Christians in poverty and constantly at the mercy of a bank? Because the Bible says in Proverbs, the, the rich rule over the poor. And the, 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 the borrower is servant to the lender. Servant to the lender. Do you know how many churches 
And I'm not saying this. If you rent a building, there's no, and you just started a church and you have to rent a building for the time being, there's no condemnation. But you know how many churches that they were renting a building from, uh, from somebody? They didn't own the property. In a sense, you're borrowing something. And the moment COVID hit, even if they wanted to open up, the building manager said, it's not, we're not opening up. No shop is going to open up as long as I say. They couldn't hold services, not because they didn't want to hold services, but they were servant to the lender. They had to, they had to serve the desire of the lender. That's why the devil is against people owning property, land. Doesn't ma- doesn't mind doesn't not mind you taking out loans all the time. He does not mind you going the world's route and taking out loans every single time. But the moment you start to apply Bible wisdom that produces wealth and riches, where you can now be a landowner and possess things, where you're not paying nine eight percent interest rates, that's when he gets worried. That's why nobody can tame Abraham. Even the king of Sodom could not buy Abraham's allegiance. Because the king of Sodom said, take all of the spoil of war, it's for you. Abraham said, I've lifted my hand to God most high, that I will take nothing of the spoil of war, lest you should say you have made Abraham rich. I've already lifted my hand, I'm going God's way. And Abraham, Genesis 13 too, Abraham was very rich in livestock, silver, and in gold. So that's why the devil has sold this garbage. Now I'm not saying Christianity is about being rich. It's not my priority. But I know that if I'm going to accomplish the great plans of God and the vision of God for my life, if I'm going to do everything God's called me to do, then I'm going to need kingdom prosperity to get it done. You have small plans. You have a small little vision. You have a cute little thing where you just want to uh, teach a few things here and there. Then you go ahead and and you stay with your low-level finances and do all that. But if you have great plans and you have a great vision God has birthed in your spirit and you have a dream that God has put in your heart, then you know to accomplish that it's going to require a a heavy level of finances to get it done that's why people how are you so bold when you take up the offering because i know what god's called me to do i'm not shy when i take up an offering i'm not shy when i when i talk about the vision of god for my life i'm not shy i know where god's taking me to and what god wants to do through this ministry and the amount of people that are going to come into the kingdom through it so i'm not shy someone who is shy about talking about money and taking up and this might be for some ministers here today don't be shy about taking up an offering you know, the casino's not shy about taking gamblers' money. The casino's not shy about taking people's money, uh, the last dime to the point where they throw themselves off the building the night of. The casino's not shy. The bank's not shy about charging you 8% interest. The bank's not shy about charging you heavy interest rates. Car dealers are not shy about 6% interest. For a $30,000 car, it's actually going to cost you $70,000. Over seven years, 84 months. The banks aren't shy about that. But why is it that preachers, they're shy? Well, if you want to give, you give. If not, you don't. No, there's a work to be done. There's a work to be done. God has a commission that he wants to fulfill in this generation. And if there was ever a place to, 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 to give money to, it's the work of the great commission. So don't be shy about that. Certainly do not be shy about that. And if it's wrong for, for, for Christians to have money and believers to have money, and I mean great, like great finances, then what are you going to do with Solomon? 
The greatest king to live in ever. The richest man to ever live. What are you going to do with David who gave a $6 billion offering? What are you going to do? I'm trying to sift the wheat. Anyone, in that, anyone that wants to unsubscribe, you go and unsubscribe now. Because if you think I'm going to pander to some garbage, anti-Christ, globalist agenda to teach Christians that they should be poor. You know, let me read something. You think I'm going to pander to that? You, you tune on to the wrong preacher. I'm not a patsy preacher. I'm not a, a, a castrated preacher. I'm not run by globalist elite. I'm run by what the word of God says. You know, everybody likes to quote, the wealth of the wicked is, gonna, uh, is, is reserved for the righteous. The wealth of the wicked will be transferred into the hands of the righteous. All right. Well, let, do you actually believe that? Listen to this. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. This wisdom I've seen under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it, besieged it, and built great snares around it. Now there was found in it a poor wise man. See, he had wisdom, but he was poor. He had no money. And he, but he, by his wisdom, delivered the city, yet nobody remembered the same poor man. Then I said, wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. We as the church have the wisdom to save the world, Christ. But the Bible says if you're poor, your wisdom won't even be heard. They don't even, there's no influence. There's no influence. Reinhard Bonnke, 79 million souls, cost him $80 million to do all his crusades in Africa. You think that was free? It was $80 million. The stages that he set up that drew in those multitudes, it showed that this, this guy had prosperity and, it, and his prosperity. Why are we all applauding the philanthropy of heathen men? But then it's wrong for a man of God to operate in wealth. Bull. I don't believe that one bit. Why should Elon Musk or Bill... Look at what Bill Gates is doing with all his money. Not doing anything that is benefiting the church. Why is there 14 airlines belong to Muslim sheiks, but not one airline that belongs to a Christian? Because Chris has been taught you got to stay poor. I'm switching that off for you today. We're turning on what the Bible says. The Bible says very clearly that wealth and riches, when you operate in divine wisdom, it will bring you into wealth and riches. The Bible says the way of righteousness is life, honor, and riches. In the way of righteousness is life, honor, and riches. Now, I'm not saying if you're a Christian, God's going to make you rich. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you're a Christian and you operate by Bible wisdom and what the Proverbs says, God, God will fulfill his end of the bargain and you'll be made rich. I'm telling you. That's what's taken this ministry from a ministry that took in not enough money to pay. I, I, I couldn't, I, we could not live in, a, in an apartment to rent. We didn't even have money for that. Lived with my parents for a little bit. That's what took this ministry. It wasn't because of a favor on my life or I prayed my way out of poverty. I didn't pray my way out of anything. I just saw with the word of God, the stewardship principles of God's wisdom, and I began to apply it. I began to sow. I began to give. I began to, to uh, steward my money properly. And because of it, because of that, the Lord brought us out of negative bank accounts into now a place where we were able to buy a house this year, and we're able to bless. We're able to give in one offering what we didn't even take in in a full year of ministry, year one. Hallelujah. 
The poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. So in this end time church, God, you know, people always say the early church was poor. It was not poor. The early church was not poor. The early church had a distribution center where they were giving out food, bread, and clothing to the entirety of Jerusalem. You think they can do that poor? They weren't poor. Well, the Bible says in Acts 3, Peter and John said, silver and gold we don't have. They weren't saying we don't have silver and gold. They were saying there's not enough silver and gold that can cure paralysis when they were going to pray for the man who was a cripple. He said, there's not enough money in the world to help you. He said, silver and gold ain't going to help you. We don't have that. What we do have is the power of the name of Jesus Christ. Paul, in Philippians 4, he said, I am full, I abound. I have received from Epaphroditus the sweet-smelling offering that you've sent. He said, I'm full and I, have ab- I abound. I abound, I increase. I'm full to overflow. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. Some people think that God is a poor, like a poor father or like a, 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 a miser, like a cheapskate. No, no, no. I know I have all the silver and the gold, but you guys, you use... You suffer and struggle. No, when the Lord's your shepherd, he lets you in on what he's got. You will not lack. And he says, he will anoint your head with fresh oil. Your cup will overflow with blessing. Your cup will overflow. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. So how, do, how does the wisdom of God produce wealth and riches? Creativity. God will give you innovative ideas, creative thoughts that will produce solutions. Because you know, how do people make money? How do business entrepreneurs stand out? What made Apple stand out? They produced a solid solution for a phone. That it was an all-in-one thing. You can, you can store everything on this phone. Music, you know, it started with the iPad, uh, the, the, the um, iPod. You had music, you have a phone, you have text message, emails. It's a computer in your hand. They had, he had Steve Jobs came up with the idea to do that. And it solved a problem many people had. I don't want to wait until I get home. Till I send that email, I need to send that email on the go. It solved that problem. Brought a camera on. I, I, I wish I had a camera that had a good quality lens so I can solve that problem. Now you have a camera. You have everything you need on that iPhone for daily activity. So Steve Jobs, by earthly wisdom, think of it. If an earth, he wasn't even saved. If an earthly wisdom was able to produce something that Apple has changed the known world. How much more do you think that if God gave you an idea, you can totally shift? You can actually become a competitor to Apple. I'm talking big today because that's what God's wisdom does. It doesn't create small things. I, by wisdom, kings reign. And by wisdom, rulers decree justice. You, you come in charge. So God will, I believe that God's going to put Some of you have entrepreneurial minds. I believe God's going to put supernatural creativity in you. That you're going to distinguish yourself in your generation. Just like Daniel. An excellent spirit of wisdom will be found in you. That will cause you to be separate from the rest. In Jesus' mighty name. Number four. Byproduct of wisdom. Divine solutions to human problems. Joseph. In Genesis chapter 38. Joseph. No, Genesis chapter, Genesis chapter 41. So Pharaoh gets a dream. Joseph interprets the dream by wisdom. In interpreting the dream, he gave him a solution. He didn't just say, hey, you're about to hit seven years of famine, get ready. The wisdom of God 
doesn't just warn you about what could happen. It gives you a solution so you can evade the, the struggle and the loss of what would have taken you out. So Joseph gives him a solution, and it actually preserves the known world from extinction. And this is what, this is what Pharaoh spoke and commended Joseph with afterwards. Pharaoh said to Joseph, inasmuch as God has shown you all of this, he showed God, he, even Pharaoh recognized, God showed you this. There's no way you could have come up with this on your own. That's what divine, divine wisdom doesn't mean you have a high IQ level. Divine wisdom is you're hearing from God. God has the high IQ level. You're just hearing from him and applying it. So don't think, well, I'm, you know, I'm not the brightest person. Who cares? You have the mind of Christ. You can think the thoughts of God. God's IQ level is now flowing through you. And he'll show you. Inasmuch as God has shown you all these things, he said. Verse 38, actually, verse 37. Let's start at verse 37. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one like this? A man in whom is the Spirit of God. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you everything, there's nobody as wise and discerning as you. There's nobody as wise and discerning as you. You shall be over my house and over all my people, and they shall be ruled according to your word. Hallelujah. Look at what divine wisdom did for Joseph. Brought him from a slave one day to now being prime minister of all of Egypt. Pharaoh said, Everyone in my kingdom will have to answer to your word. Everyone in my kingdom will have to answer to your word. Jacob had the wisdom of God operating in him. And when Laban was trying to take advantage of him, Jacob received insight from the Holy Spirit to breed, learn how to breed cattle in a certain way that benefited him. Psalm 89 says, when, when the anointing's on a person, it creates wisdom so that the son of wickedness will not exact usury upon him. What does that mean? The devil won't be able to take advantage of you. Anytime he tries to throw a stick in your wheel, there'll always be a solution. Any problem, I prophesy in Jesus' name, every problem that would come against you, the moment the problem arises, a solution will already be in hand from today onward in Jesus' name. Anytime a problem rises, to challenge the problem, a solution shall rise from your spirit, man, given to you by God himself. God will show you the way out. If you find yourself at a roadblock right now, the Lord's going to show you. This is the way. Walk ye therein. He is the Lord who teaches you to profit, and he will lead you in the way that you should go. If you find yourself right now panicking because you don't know the right way, the, you, you don't know what direction to go in, you don't know where to, what, to, what, what to say, somebody may have called you with some bad news and just delivered things that you weren't ready to hear and you're backed up into a corner now wondering how how am I going to break out of this one this was heavy news God is not an idiot God knows everything he there's he's the omniscient one he's the all-knowing God there's no information hidden from his mind and he's going to download and install that wisdom in your spirit from today onward, you'll always know the way out in Jesus' mighty name. Numbers five, byproduct of wisdom, sustainable growth and aggressive increase. Sustainable growth and aggressive increase. Let me read Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 10. Ecclesiastes 10, 10. If the ax is dull, if your brain is dull, 
then you have to, you have to use more strength. If, if the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, you have to use more strength. See, when you don't have wisdom, you got to like make up for it by working harder. You can work harder or you can work smarter. When you don't have wisdom, see, if an axe is dull, you can cut. You're going you're gonna to have to do 50 strikes on that piece of wood with, with, with what could have been cut up in two strikes with a sharpened blade. That's what Ecclesiastes is saying here. You're gonna, you can work and sweat and struggle and have life be your tutor and your teacher. It's a hard knock life. Or you can sharpen that blade by sharpening your mind with God's mind. And then it says, wisdom brings success. When you operate by divine wisdom, it brings success. It brings profitability. Isaiah 48, Isaiah 48, 17. I, the Lord, will teach you to profit and lead you in the way that you should go. In the book of Psalm 25, Psalm 25, listen to this. Sustainable growth and aggressive increase, the wisdom of God will produce for you. Psalm 25, who is the man that fears the Lord? Well, what do we say is the beginning of, of wisdom? The fear of the Lord. So who is the man who has wisdom? Him shall God teach in the way he will choose. He himself shall dwell, dwell in prosperity, meaning he'll have an, a path of ever lasting increase his trajectory will always be forward and upward him shall he dwell in prosperity and his descendants will inherit the earth the secret of the lord is with those who fear him and he will show them his covenant you look at the life of solomon when he started he was a little boy who had a whole kingdom that was in charge of him. he asked god for increase he asked god for wisdom sorry and god when he put his wisdom in him the queen of sheba came because she had heard what the wisdom of Solomon was producing, and she didn't believe it. So she came to witness it, and she fainted. And she got up and said, the half hasn't even been told. She had heard that his kingdom was flourishing and growing at an unprecedented rate. And she didn't believe it. So she came to see it. When she saw it, she fainted. Because she had never seen that level of growth. She had never seen that level of increase. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Daniel. Chapter 6 and verse 3. Let me read this. Daniel chapter 6. And, matter of fact, let me read Daniel 12. Daniel 12, verse 3. Daniel chapter 12. Thanks for sticking on with me today. Daniel chapter 12. And verse 3. Listen to this. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the firmament. Those who are wise will shine. Hallelujah. I see you rising and shining like a star in your generation by reason of the spirit of wisdom working through you. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness like stars forever and ever. Sustainable growth and aggressive increase is a product of wisdom. You will rise and shine in your generation. People will see that the hand of God is on your life. Number six, direction and guidance. Jeremiah chapter six. Jeremiah chapter six and verse 16. Jeremiah six sixteen. Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see. 
and ask, ask who? Ask him for the old ways, where the good way is, and walk ye therein. Then you will find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. So God says, ask for the old paths where the good way is. Ask him for the good way. You're faced with a decision now. You have many ways you can go. Ask him for the good way. Ask him for the right way. You know, God's, the Bible says, intricately involved with all of your ways. He's interested in what decisions you make. Not just the big ones, but the minor ones. And not just the minor ones, but the big ones. He wants to show you what career you can take. He wants to show you uh, the path to take. He wants to show you the direction to go in. He doesn't want you just trial and error. You can live life by trial and error, and life will be a hard knock life. Or you can live life by divine wisdom. And the Bible says, happy is the man who walks in wisdom. Her ways are ways of pleasantness. It's a pleasant thing to operate by divine wisdom. Her ways are ways of pleasantness. And her, um, her ways are ways of pleasantness, and her paths are filled with peace. So you can, you can sweat and be anxious because you're not, I don't know if I did the right thing, oh, just leave it into God's hands. Or you can ask God for the good way and then walk in that and rest assured. Rest assured that God's not stupid. He's not out to kill you. He's not out to get you. Think of it. If I, as a father, if my kid came to me for advice, you think I'd give him advice that would hurt him? No. That's essentially what Jesus was saying when he said, when you ask your father for a, a fish, are you going to give him a scorpion? If you ask him for a piece of bread, will you give him a snake? You're not going to ask God, God, I need help in this situation, and he's going to give you something harmful, harmful advice. God's not interested in giving you harmful advice. God wants to give you good advice. He wants to give you sound advice. He wants to counsel you with, with right ways of action. So that you're not, you're not going in circles the rest of your life. Listen to this, Proverbs chapter 1. Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in chief concourses at the opening of the gates in the city. She's speaking her words. How long, those simple ones? So wisdom's crying to you today. How long, those simple ones? Will you delight in your simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools have hated knowledge. They've not come to me for advice. Turn at my rebuke, and I'll, make, I'll pour out my spirit on you and make my words known to you. I, I called out to you, and you refused. Don't be like that. I stretched out my hand, and no one regarded. You disdained all my counsel. You would have none of my rebuke. And now I'm going to laugh at your calamity. I'll mock when your terror comes. When your terror comes like a storm and your destruction like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call on me and I will not answer them. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and they didn't choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel and despise my every rebuke. Therefore they will eat the fruit of their own way and they will be filled to the full of their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them. And the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever, hallelujah, whoever listens to me, God says, will dwell safely and will be secure without any fear of evil. Whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without any fear of evil. In Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 23, the Bible says, the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom, 
So wisdom leads to life. The fear of the Lord leads to life. He that has it will abide in satisfaction. He will not be visited with evil. When God leads you, he's not leading you by turbulent waters and stormy seas. He leads you by still waters and by green pastures. Trust in him. Heed his counsel. He's not trying to make things difficult for you. He's not trying to make you go around a mountain for 40 years. He wants to bring you in to the desired state and the desired position. He wants to lead you forward. He'll never lead you backwards. He'll never lead you downwards. Obedience to God's wisdom is always a step up. He's going to direct you in Jesus' name. Wisdom is profitable for direction. He will direct you. He'll show you what to do. That, the Bible says if any man lacks wisdom, doesn't know what to do, let him ask of God. Let him ask of God. Some of you, you've just thought about what to do. You've never asked God and, um, and, and, uh, and, and inquired. That's what separate David. Separated David from everyone else and every other king. David always inquired of the Lord. Lord, should I do this? God, is this the right way? Lord, am I supposed to be doing this? David inquired of the Lord. That's why David never lost one victory. He never lost one battle. I prophesy in the name of Jesus, you will never lose another battle. From today, grace is coming on you to inquire of the Lord. And as you heed the instructions of the Lord, he'll set you high above the nations of the earth. Any enemy that comes up against you one way, God will defeat them before your face. They'll be scattered seven ways. And God is going to put his good blessing on you. And even the heathen will see that you're a people called by the name of the Lord because of the operation of the spirit of wisdom on the inside of you in jesus name type amen in the comment section direction and guidance number seven and i'll finish with this peace and joy peace and joy is a product of divine wisdom james chapter three the wisdom from above is first peaceable it's full of peace it gives you peace. I said it before. When you are trying to reason things out, ah, well, you know, maybe I'll do it this way. Maybe I'll, and you, even if you make the decision to act on something, there's like, there's no peace because you don't, you don't know. You ultimately don't know. But when the Lord speaks to you, there's a peace. The Bible says, "May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe in Him." We're believing for Him. Uh, believing in him for direction. We're believing in him for guidance. We're believing in him for. Uh, for wisdom and for the right point of action. We're believing in him for what to do. And in doing that, the Bible says he'll fill you with all joy and peace as you believe. That's why Paul, Paul, who the Bible says, Peter actually commended the wisdom of Paul. And he said, there's a wisdom given Paul that's so difficult, not even we understand. Paul operated by divine wisdom. And the Bible says, even when he was in a prison cell, he had peace, he had joy because he knew he knew he was a man on the go for God. And nobody can stop the man that's on the go for God. Nobody can take them out. That's what divine wisdom will do. It'll give you a joy unspeakable and full of glory. It'll produce in you a serenity. A serenity. The Bible says he that believes will never make haste. He's not going to worry. I'll keep in perfect peace those whose eyes are stayed on me. Those who trust in my name. See, it's one thing to know what God's wisdom you know, I, you know, I know what God's wanted me to do. It's one thing to know, but do you believe? Do you believe to the point of action? And in acting on it, do you believe that this, this was actually God speaking? Do you believe that this was the word of the Lord for you? Because if you think that, uh, maybe I missed it. If you think you missed it, you're not going to have that peace. 
But when you know that you know, God said go. And I, I, some people overcomplicate the voice of God. Well, how do I know it's God? How do I know it's me? Did it bring direction or confusion? Brought direction? It's the Lord. If it brought confusion, it's not God. Now, you might not know how everything's going to pan out, but that's not your problem. That's the Lord's problem. That's what he's in charge to do. But you haven't. I, I, I believe, I'm a firm believer. You know, one time I had a pastor offer me uh, money when I was first starting out in the ministry to come and work for him. And right away, I felt a red light. That wasn't the right way to go. And I, I said, I'll just pray about it. But oh, I was just praying. I fasted. I prayed. But I already knew what to do. I'm a firm believer that the moment something comes up, God actually speaks right then and right there. And that all the prayer and all the fasting that goes on afterwards, it's just pretty much us trying to convince ourselves of what God has already said. Every time I've been faced with a decision to make, I've always known right away, this is, uh, this is what I have to do. And any time of prayer or whatever, and I'm not against praying about things. I'm not against, you know, taking time to fast and pray for things. But every time I've done that, it's just solidified what I've already known from the beginning. And so I believe there's people watching right now and on the replay that you know what God's called you to do. Let me tell you, the peace and the joy that you've desired concerning that situation is not going to come. By just, well, I'm just pray about it. Some people are praying about things God told them to do 14 years ago. They're still praying about it. We don't know. Just do it. And I'm telling you, when you take the step, when you actually step out of the boat, you'll find out God's not going to let the water swarm you up and swallow you up and, and drown you out. God will hold you up. Just like Peter. You know, sometimes the wisdom of God sounds ludicrous. Jesus told Peter, step out on the water. That's not wise. That is not human wisdom, to step out on water. But Jesus' Jesus's words were divinely, divinely imparted uh, or divinely infused with wisdom. So Peter acted on divine wisdom. So when Jesus said, step out on the water, Peter stepped out on the water. And what happened? Did he drown? No. He only drowned when he got his eyes off of Jesus. But as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he, he was held up. God is going to hold you up. God is going to sustain you. God's going to keep you up. It might be foolish in your mind, and people around you might mock you. You know, it's foolish for a guy like Noah, for a guy like Noah to build a boat, an ark, in a day where it had never rained before. Water would just come out of the ground. It never rained. And he kept telling people, a storm's coming. What do you mean there's going to be water coming from the sky? You crazy, Noah? He kept building an ark. And he faced criticism and persecution and mocking and scoffing, but he kept on building. Keep on building. Look, if you don't operate by divine wisdom, you're building by yourself. And the Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor, labor in vain. You're laboring in vain. But if you're building by divine wisdom, even if it looks foolish to the outside eye, the Lord's working on it. And when God builds, the Bible says, I plant, Apollos watered. You can plant obedience. You, you water your seed with prayer and all that. But remember, God gives the increase. God gives the increase. God is the one that gives the increase. You plant, you water, you do what you got to do. Remember, when you operate in this wisdom that I'm talking about, the wisdom from above, God gives the increase. And when God brings the increase, you know it's going to be good. That's why he said, what eye has never seen, what ear has never heard, what has never entered the heart of man. Those are the things God has prepared for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Everyone that's watching here online and on the replay, I ask you, Lord, that you would, like we read in Proverbs 1, 
where it says, turn in my rebuke and I'll pour out my spirit on you and make my word known to you. Pour out the spirit of wisdom and counsel on your people watching here right now in Jesus' name. May they have answers to every problem that they're facing right now. Solutions to problems. Father, give them light for darkness in Jesus' name. Give them creativity. Creativity. In the name of Jesus Christ. Receive a fresh impartation of the spirit of wisdom and of counsel and of knowledge. From today, you'll never... You'll never be lost at words. From today, you'll never be backed up into a corner. From today, the Lord put something in you that was in Christ. You'll always know the way out. There'll always be a solution. In the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for it, Father. Thank you that you said if we ask of wisdom, you'll give it to us generously and lavishly. Thank you for a generous outpouring of that wisdom on your people right now. In Jesus' name. Thank you that as they operate in this wisdom, today will be the lowest they'll ever be. That they're going to go higher and higher. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji. Or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you, and until next time.